You're listening to the Victory Church Podcast. Here at Victory, we are called to equip a caring, committed community of worshipers to reach their world for Jesus. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. Jesus to do something in your life. Amen. Amen. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you, Pastor Ed, Pastor Lisa, for having me again up on this platform. It is an honor. This is my home church. I love you guys. We love it here. And, um, you know, we post things on social media with the ministry, and we're like, man, we love it when we're here. Uh, we, love, we love receiving here, but, man, it's so, such an honor to be up here. Um, I really, you know, every single time I go to a church or we're ministering somewhere, obviously one of the first things that we do is pray, God, what do you want to say to the people in that moment, in that morning, in that evening, uh, in that area? And what is it that you want to say? And we really feel strongly today, I, feel, I really believe that the Holy Spirit is really wanting to speak to us today about how we can hear from God. And, and by chance, and I don't mean that literally by chance, but by the Holy Spirit, I hear that we are having a, a series on hearing from God, right? Starting Next week, I believe, Pastor, right? And so how many know that God loves to speak? He loves to speak to us, and he speaks primarily through his word. And it is really on, I really believe it's the desire of the heart of God for us today and to understand and to know and to have a hunger and a renewed desire and to have a, a revival in our life for the word of God. And we're going to see today how the Word of God is so powerful and life-changing, and that's what the title is of my message. It's called The Life-Changing Word. And if you're with us online, thanks for coming, visiting, and, and watching. But I want to say here today, we know that the Word of God here at Victory Church, the Victory Church teaches the Word of God, amen? And we know that the Word of God is historical. We know that the beauty of the Word of God is so amazing because it is so full of unity. It all, it's all the one, uh, one, it's one message of redemption and it's all coming together, which is beautiful. We know that it, it is a prophetic word. There's prophecy that has been fulfilled and we're waiting for prophecy to be fulfilled. But most of all, we know that this word is a life-changing word. There's something different between this and everything else that you read in your life. And I really believe what God wants to do through the Holy Spirit is to awaken us, to revive our hearts, to have such a hunger and an excitement and a passion and a, and a thirst for the word of God like never before. I believe that there are many, even in the church, that, call, that, that believe the word of God is true, but they have lost the excitement, they have lost the faith, they have lost the expectation of what this word is because the devil has devalued it and has disregarded it in their life. And I really believe that your transformation and your healing and your restoration and what God wants to do in your life and in this community begins by understanding and knowing and hungering to hear from God like never before. And the part of that is by hungering and thirsting for his word. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a little train ride this, more, or this evening, all right? Or today, whatever it is, right? Let's just say today. Let's take a little bit of a train ride because usually when the Lord gives me a word, it's, it's a passage. We're stuck in one passage. 
but we're kind of making some stops along the way in the word of God. And don't worry, we're on a journey. We are going to get somewhere. There's a point to where the Lord is wanting us to go with this. And believe it or not, I was traveling to, to speak somewhere, and I was traveling to, to preach and minister in a church. And as I was driving, the Lord really just downloaded this in my heart. And as I was praying for, for the service that I was going to, the Lord gave me this, and he gave me this word for this church. And I'm so excited to share, with it, share this word with you. So let's turn, first of all, to Genesis chapter 1. And we're going to look at, again, it's just imagine yourself on a scenic train ride, but there are step, stops along the way. And as you make these stops, this journey is more beautiful as you go on. You're going to understand more. You're going to receive more. And it's going to get to the point where I believe that God wants to reveal something in your life that you're able to defeat things in your life. How many want to defeat some things in your life? Come on, how many are praying for victory? How many are, are praying for some breakthroughs in your life and in other people's lives? Amen. So let's look at the word of God starting in Genesis chapter one. Let's look at this. I'm gonna just briefly share some points with some of these scriptures, but again, we're going somewhere. The Bible says in Genesis chapter one, verse one, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Verse three, then God said, let there be light and there was light. Everyone say said. God said something. In other words, there was a word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. And when God said something, he said something and spoke to something that was void, that was empty, that had no purpose, that was dark, that was chaotic. And when God spoke and he said, let there be light, there had to be something that happened behind the word because behind the word is the nature and the character and the presence of God. And when God said, let there be light, light had to happen. There had to be a creation of light because God said it out of his mouth. How many know here today that when God says something, it comes, it comes behind the nature and the character of an awesome God? A word will only go as far as who that person is. And I want to tell you about God. God is holy. He is awesome. He is all powerful. His nature is kind and good. So when God speaks, there is power that is directly behind his word. What we must understand as we introduce this here is that when God speaks and we see his word, we know that God has spoken his word to us. We must not ever again be casual when we get into the word of God and say, oh, I just got to do my devotion. I just got to, you know, I just got to get in and read a verse and I got to do my verse for the day. No, when we are coming to the word of God, we are coming to a word that is full of power and authority. When we come into the word and we read it, it is this, the same word that created the heavens and the earth is the exact same word that's in front of us. And perhaps we get used to it because it's in front of us and it's just so practical we can't even believe it's God sometimes. But it is God and his power comes from this word. Now, turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 6. You're like, you're going from Genesis to 2 Chronicles? Yes, I know. But let's go to 2 Chronicles chapter 6. And this is really important to understand this, we know that David wanted to build a temple, thank God, 
He wanted to build a temple to the Lord, and the Lord said, hey, David, great heart, but you're not the one who's going to build the temple. You're a man of battle. You're a man of war. Your son, Solomon, your son is going to build a temple who will have innocent hands, right? And so he told, uh, obviously, Solomon built the temple, obeyed the Lord. The fulfillment of the word came. And let's look at, I want to share a couple things in 2 Chronicles chapter 6. The Bible says, then Solomon spoke. And so here's Solomon, the temple's built, and he's going to dedicate the temple unto the Lord. Amen? And so here he is, and he says, then Solomon spoke. The Lord said he would dwell in the dark cloud. I have surely built you an exalted house and a place for you to dwell in forever. Then the king turned around and blessed the whole assembly of Israel while all the assembly of Israel was standing. And this is what Solomon said. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, hear this, who has fulfilled with his hands what he spoke with his mouth to my father David. And he goes on, so on and so forth. Now, let's look at verse 15 for a moment. Now, he's praying to the Lord in verse 15. He's still dedicating the temple. And he says to the Lord, you have kept what you have promised your servant David, my father. You have both spoken with your mouth and you fulfilled it with your hand as it is this day. Therefore, Lord God of Israel, now keep what you promised your servant David, my father. Now look at verse 17. And now, O Lord of God of Israel, let your word come true, which you have spoken. Now, what I love about these verses, and we could go, it's a powerful story. It's a powerful thing that we can look at. But what's an interesting is that it's amazing that whatever God says with his mouth, he performs with his hand. In other words, what God promises, what God says to us, Whatever it is about provision, let the you know you're looking for provision, you're looking for healing, you're looking for restoration, you're looking for guidance, you're looking for courage. Whatever it is, God has given us precious promises in the Word of God. When God promises it, God is always listen. He always stands behind what He says because He's not a liar. He fulfills everything that He says with His mighty right hand. How many like that? So when we understand the word of God, that when he spoke and he said, let there be light, there is authority and power. Something has to happen when he speaks. But not only that, but God is willing and ready to fulfill the things that he has spoken. He, Solomon says, what you have spoken with your mouth, you have fulfilled it with your hand. When God speaks something in his word to us, when God is speaking to us, he doesn't just speak to us haphazardly. He doesn't just speak to us out of, uh, you know, just some uh, black hole. He, he has a purpose in his speaking. And when he speaks to us with that purpose, he does it. He comes behind it and he does it. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 12, the Bible says that I am ready to perform my word. And some of us, sometimes we doubt about the word of God, like, man, I've been praying for this, and I'm believing God for that, and I'm trying to, and time is going on, and you don't see the fulfillment of the promise, and you don't see God working in your life. That doesn't mean that God isn't working or the fulfillment isn't yet to come in your life. And so we must take courage and trust that whatever God says, he will do behind because he stands behind his word. Whatever he says, he stands behind because he's a good God, a loving God, a holy God, and he doesn't lie. He will do what he promises. Amen? Amen. And so let's turn to John chapter 1 for a moment. John chapter 1, let me just say this. That when we're reading and we're listening to God through his word, 
We must understand that the word of God is the heart of God, it's the mind of God, it's the purpose of God, it's the will of God. And many times there are even believers that pray, God, I pray that your word will conform to what I'm doing. But the truth is our prayer must be, Lord, I pray that I conform to what you say. We must always understand that the word of God is unchangeable. It, it, it is not erasable. It abides forever, the Bible says. It is a living word. And what's amazing about the word of God is that it is the heart and the mind of God so much so, he shows us in John chapter one. What does God think about the word of God? Do you ever think about that? What does God think about the word of God? Look at this in John chapter one, verse one. It sounds familiar, doesn't it? In the beginning, remember that? We just read that. In the beginning was the what? The word. And the what? The word was with God and the word what? was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it or comprehend it. Now look at verse, John chapter 1, verse 14, and the word became what? Wow. The word became flesh, dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. What, what's the word of God telling us right here in John chapter one? That look at the, the word of God is so closely related to the nature of God that the word is God, it's Jesus Christ. In other words, God wanted to show us that my word is so synonymous with who I am is that it is who I am. Jesus is the word. In Revelation chapter 19, verse 13, the Bible says that when Jesus comes back, how many know that he's gonna come back? How many know that at the end, listen, at the end that Jesus comes on a white horse, that Revelation chapter 19 talks about it. How many know that that promise is yet to be fulfilled, but what he has spoken with his mouth, he will fulfill it with his hand. May we not get discouraged about that. We need to get excited about that, amen? And so when Jesus comes back, the Bible says that there is a name that's written on him, which is what? The word of God. And in fact, pastor, as you were talking, a sword actually comes out of his mouth, Right? And so what we must remember is that Jesus is the word. The word of God and the nature of God are synonymous. And that is so awesome. In order for you to know God and to listen to God and to hear him and to be guided by him and to allow him to pour himself into your life, you must get into the word because as you know the word, you could see the word in fulfillment in Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? And so the word of God is precious and it's powerful and we must understand it. Now, turn to John chapter eight for a moment. Say, I know we're, we're riding fast tonight. How many, how many are riding fast? You got your seatbelts? I know, I know we're getting somewhere though, all right? We're getting somewhere. John chapter eight, look at verses 31 to 32 about the word. Jesus said to the Jews who believed him, this is really important. If you abide, everyone say abide. Abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and then you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. What is Jesus saying here? He's saying, listen, one of the signs that you're my disciple, my disciple and you're a follower, you abide in my word. What does that word abide mean? In the Greek, it literally means to make a home, to dwell. That, in other words, it's just your living space. It's, it's not you trying to, to, to wake up and do a religious duty and try to do my devotions every day. I better get my five minutes in. Oh, good, I got my five minutes in. God's pleased with me. And you, you know, you're striving and you're working. And that's not what abiding is. Abiding is resting and depending and living in the word. Isn't that wonderful? 
And when the word of God, when you allow the word of God to be a dwelling place, listen, how many, you, you live somewhere, right? Raise your hand, come on. You got an apartment, you got a house, what do you do? You relax there, you sleep there, you have great dinners there, you watch, you know, uh, some type of football game. I know you guys are mostly Eagles fans here. I'm a, a, Any Bills fans out here? Oh, right, I got two. Yeah, because New Yorkers, that's why, that's right. So, um, but you know, we dwell in the house, we enjoy, we live in the house. It is not an effort for me to go in my house. When I go to my house, man, it is like this is a haven. And what Jesus is saying is those who abide or you make the word of God, all my words is when it's a haven to you, you, you dwell there, you live there, you enjoy my fellowship, you, in, you, just, you live in the word and the word abides in you. You are my disciples. And when you abide in my word, guess what happens? You will know the truth. And then this truth that you're abiding in, it's going to set you free. No, no wonder why the enemy doesn't want us to spend time in the word of God. No wonder why he doesn't want us to memorize the word. No wonder why he doesn't want us to, to take time ab above our busy schedules, above our relationships, and say, Lord, I want to know your word. I want to know you. Of course the enemy is going to distract us and put burdens on us and throw doubts on us and, and fill us with all kinds of, uh, of heavy, heavy burdens. I mean, think about Genesis 3.1. What did the devil do to Eve? Right away, what is the first thing he said in chapter 3, verse 1? He said, did God really say this? I mean, he wants us to doubt. He wants us to stay away from the word. No wonder why the enemy works so hard to get us from the word. It is because he knows that when we are in the word, we will become free in the areas that are binding us in life. Isn't that true? So my question is here today. Do you have a real hunger and a thirst for God's word? Are you craving it? Are you longing for it? Or has it become commonplace? Has it become something that you've put on the, on the shelf or you've put on the coffee table and you'll pick it up from time to time? Or, you know, like, I don't really read the word because now the word's in my phone and I'm reading the word in my phone and, oh, I got this text message. Oh, I got this email from work. And, and you're just like, oh, my goodness, I'm so distracted. Oh, how God longs for us to just spend time in his word and we truly will be set free. How many believe that here? And the enemy wants us to stay away. Now, let me say this. I want to give you two verses and then we're going to go into the last part of this message. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. The Bible said, let's read that. I want to go to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. The literal uh, meaning, all scripture, the Bible says all scripture is God-breathed. In other words, there is life in the word of God. And I know many times I go, we, my wife and I, we go, we travel, we minister, and there are people that are like, man, I've been suffering from this for years or months. I want prayer, and we're praying over them. And one of the things that I ask them is, are you spending time in God's presence and with his word? No, not at all. But let me just say something to you, that your life and your victory and your freedom in your life is directly related to reading, absorbing, allowing God to speak to you through the words that are life. Jesus said in John chapter 6, he says, the flesh profits nothing, the spirit gives life. He said, the words that I speak to you, they are life and they are spirit. 
In other words, and, and when Peter in John chapter 6, he said, he said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. In other words, even Peter was like, Lord, why would I want to walk away from you? Why would I want to disengage? Why would I want to go back to my old life? You have the words of life. Your words have completely, utterly changed my life. Why would I want to go back to that? God's word has breath. Remember when God created Adam, he's, he breathed into Adam, and Adam became what? A living being. In John chapter 20, Jesus said, receive the Holy Spirit, and he breathed what? Spiritual life into his disciples. He breathed into them. And so we need to understand that the life of God, the resurrection power, the resurrection life is connected to reading and knowing and, and having the word of God come into our life. It's so important for us to understand that. Colossians, Colossians chapter 3, verse 16 says, let the word of God dwell in you richly. How many know that we need to have the word of God dwell in us? You know what's amazing when we have the word of God dwell in us? Jesus even said this. I don't have this scripture up there. But Jesus said, if my words abide in you, you could ask what you desire and I will give it. Whew. Think about that promise. If my words abide, they dwell in you. They're a home. I, you abide in my word and my, your, my word abides in you. If, if you abide and the words that they live in you and dwell in you, you could ask for anything and I'll give it. Why? Because you know what God's heart and mind and will is. And so you will dwell and know the promises of God and you will take the promises of God and you will allow the word to dwell in you richly. Can I ask you a question? Is the word of God in you? Is it dwelling in you? Is it richly? The Greek word is abundantly. Is the word of God abundant in your heart, abundant in your mind, abundant in your life? Listen, you may be here and you're hungry for God, but I want to ask you, ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, make me more hungry for God like never before. May I know his word and may that word just dwell in me. May I hear your voice and may it change my life like never before. So we understand that I know we took a, a quick trip here, right? That was a quick trip. That, I mean, that train's going 90 miles an hour, right? At least. But we know that whatever God says, his hand does, we know that when he says it, he commands it with authority, that his word does not return void, the Bible says in the book of Isaiah, that whatever God says, there's a purpose to it, and there's, there's something that God is up to and that God is doing, and he will accomplish it. He will fulfill his promise. We need to allow the word of God to dwell in us richly. We need to abide in the word of God, and the truth will truly set us free. We will be free people, victorious people, people full of faith, and, and, and we will be more than conquerors as we live this world. So we know the word of God is like that. We thank God that the, the word is the nature of God, that is God. The word became flesh. It's Jesus, right? So we need to have that word to be a part of our life that is so for, like the forefront of our life like never before. Now, Turn to Matthew chapter 4, and as you're turning there, I, wanna have, I have two more verses I want to turn to. How many here today has ever had a tough time in life? Raise your hand. How many here today you feel like, man, I'm praying for something, maybe someone, else, someone else's life you're praying, or your own life, and you're like, man, I want, I want a miracle in this part of my life. Come on. You're praying, man. You're just like, I'm believing God for this. I, I'm going to his word. I'm believing God for that. How many understand that you have an enemy called the devil who hates you? And I'm thankful that he hates me because the devil hates anyone or anything that God loves. So that means that God loves me. 
That means that God is for me. That means that God is working on my behalf. That means that God's mighty hand is on my life. That means that his word and his promises are for me to, to take inside of me. But how many know that we also need the word of God to combat the, the, the onslaught and the weapons and the attacks of the enemy? And boy, does he attack. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He takes uh, health away from our bodies. He takes uh, our, our minds. He takes, tries to take peace and joy away from us. He tries to hurt our heart by people. He tries to use mean people in our life to try to break us, to shoot us down. He tries to, dis he tries to destroy us with lies all the time, lies about ourselves that aren't true, that God, believe, that God doesn't think of us that way. He brings lies about what, who God is and his nature in our life. And all these lies are bombarding us and all these attacks. And, and we go through some times where, man, I need, I need more money in this season of my life. I lost a job. Or I don't understand why this person is suffering over here and it's a family member. And, or this person, I've been praying for them and they've been lost and they don't know Jesus and I've been praying for them. And so we have all these trials and all these temptations that come. And how many has ever felt so overwhelmed by all the things that they go through in life? Right? How many know that the community feels like that? every day that don't know the Lord, but even within the church. And we need to stand up. And how many want to be victorious over the devil? Raise your hand. Matthew chapter four, look at this. Jesus was fasting 40 days, 40 nights. The devil went to, came to tempt him. And look at verse four, or let's look at verse three. When the tempter came to him, he said, here it is. If you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. He's, he's tempting Jesus. Look at what Jesus says in verse four. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. How many know that here? He said, I'm going to read that again. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Jesus does something so awesome here. It's so amazing what he's teaching us. In fact, what Jesus is doing, he's even teaching us with his words because he's basically, the devil comes after him, tempts him, trying to bring him down, trying to make him sin. And what Jesus did, Jesus didn't have a conversation with the devil. And how many know that he could have had a conversation with the devil? He didn't have a conversation with the devil, but what he did was it is written and he quoted the scripture, which he knew came from the mouth of God, which he knew was inspired in the Old Testament, which we know today. And he knew that had the power to push back the enemy. And what's amazing to me is that Jesus says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, the Greek word, word here in this passage is the word rhema, which means the spoken word of God. And he says, every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. In other words, Jesus was saying what God says. That's very important. How many know that God loves it when we speak his word? Did you know that our relationship with Jesus is a vocal relationship? That's amazing. Now, let's turn to Ephesians. We're going to close with this, Ephesians chapter 6. And I'd love to get into more, but man, this is, I'll tell you, we need to understand this. So important. So Jesus, he didn't argue with the devil. He was tired. He was hungry. The devil tempted him. By the way, get a clue when the devil, part of when the devil tempts us, right? Tries to bring us down, tries to lie to us. Ephesians chapter 6. And we know that the, the Bible talks about how we do not war against flesh and blood, right? And it says in 4, 
Uh, actually, chapter 6, look at verse 11, put on the whole armor of God. So we know that this chapter in chapter 6, part of it is, is making war against the spiritual forces of darkness. Because verse 12 says, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Now, we know that Jesus did that, right? In Matthew 4. And by the way, there was three temptations and Jesus combated the devil three times with different scripture. He says, it is written, it is written, it is written, because Jesus, even though he was fully God, he was fully man and knew that he needed to come to the devil full throttle, going forward, full weaponry with the word of God, because he knew that he was the word, but he knew that the word of God had power to break anything that the devil tried to come against us, right? Now look at verse 17, part of the armor of God, verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. I got here a little sword, it's short. The Bible says, take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Do you know that word sword is a very awesome word within the Greek language? It is the Machaira sword. This is not the Machaira sword, all right? Yes, I do enjoy pulling this out. I don't know why, okay? It's just, it's just part of it. How many think this is cool? Isn't that pretty neat? Yeah, online, pretty cool. But the Machaira sword was a little bit, it was a short sword like this one, a little bit longer. And uh, it was about nine inches or so, the blade, and it was actually curved. And in fact, the Machaira sword was one of the most feared swords in the Roman army, in the Roman uh, centurion, right? And so the Machaira sword was the most feared among the enemies because it was a double-edged sword. It was hooked at the end. And what the enemy would do was actually, when the Roman soldier came before the enemy, it was a, it was, you know, it was, we were close to each other, right? What the Machaira sword would do, he would plunge it, if he was able to, plunge it within that person. It was like razor sharp. Go into that person. They would, I'm sorry if you're going to have ice cream later. If you twist the sword, it would mess up the organs within the gut, within any part that he's doing it. He would twist it and he would pull it out. There would be a large gash within his body and the organs would actually start showing or coming out. He could, they would actually, the Romans would actually pull out the organs of the body when they were at war. This is what the Bible says when it says, take up the sword of the Holy Spirit. The sword of the Holy Spirit is the most feared weapon among the devil and all the principalities and powers. And this Machaira sword that we have, the sword, the Machaira of the Spirit, we would use against the enemy. And what is the Machaira of the Spirit? It is actually the spoken word of God that Jesus actually used because he knew this. And he actually, Father, Son, Holy Spirit are one. They have written the word of God. The Holy Spirit knew to use this word. He knew to use the most feared weapon in the Roman army to give the image to those that Paul was writing to that when you speak the word of God that first is indwelling you begins to come out of you against those things that are coming against you in your life. And by the way, Jesus didn't just pull out any scripture when he was at war. He used the scripture that the Holy Spirit gave him for that time of need and the time of temptation and the time of trial. And he went against the enemy and he says, it is written. And so what we must understand when we are using the sword of the spirit, look at, this is what many even believers do. They do this. The enemy comes against them and they begin to complain and they begin to, to make excuses and they begin to, you know, 
say all kinds of things that aren't even godly, that aren't even true. They begin to say lies about themselves, about other people, even about what God is like. God, you don't love me anymore. This is horrible. How can you have me go through this? And meanwhile, the sword is right here. And what God wants to do with the church is to love the word of God. And by loving the word, we're loving Jesus. We're longing for the presence of God. We're longing for the word to dwell in us. We want the freedom that God has for us. But when the enemy comes and attacks us, and he attacks us by body, bodily sickness, and we're sick, or, or someone that we're praying for is sick, we're not just standing there saying, oh God, I hope this person gets well. But we take the word out in that situation and in that need that the Holy Spirit gives to us. And we begin to do war with the enemy, with a Makaira sword, and say, by his stripes i am healed and you don't take it anymore you take the sword of the spirit out and you feel depressed or you feel listen you feel depressed you say i take out the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness and you know what i'll tell you what i do i love this this is when it gets real serious you take out the sword of the spirit you begin to quote the word of god and you begin to read the word of god and meditate on the word of god but I begin to thank God in prayer for the word. Oh man, you begin to pray for the word. Listen, you pray over situations and circumstances with the word of God. I say, Lord Jesus, look at when I'm when I feel like I'm not feeling well, Lord, I thank you, Jesus, that by your stripes I am healed. I thank you, Lord, for all the promises that you give me. Lord, I thank you that you have not given me a spirit of fear, but you have given me a spirit of power, love, and of a sound mind. You are wielding your sword. We need to take, Paul said, take the sword of the Spirit. But listen, the sword of the Spirit won't come out if it's not in us. We, if we're not hungering for it, if we're not reading it, if we're not meditating on it, if we're not allowing God to speak to us through his word, if we're not thirsting and saying, as, as David said, Lord, I long for your word more than all the treasures of the earth. If we're not, if we're not longing for God and we're not, listen, this word is just glowing with expectation. And we just walk by it a lot. Oh, yeah, I'm too busy. And, and the Lord's like, look it, I'm ready to heal you. I'm ready to restore you. I'm ready, look it, I'm ready to call you. I'm ready to anoint you. I'm ready to empower you. I am ready to lead you. I am ready to show my presence to you like never before. But yet, you would not. You're not hungry. You don't go to it as much. You don't go with expectation. And I'm ready to allow you to use this sword just like Jesus did and take care of the enemy. How many know here today you need to take care of the enemy for your kids and your grandkids and you need to take care of the enemy for the community? I'm telling you right now, Victory Church, we're gonna close right now in prayer, but how many know we need to take we, listen, we need a move of God, and a move of God is related to knowing God and his word and what he's saying and allowing for him to speak and for us to obey whatever he tells us to do. Amen? Amen. Can we just close our eyes? And if you're watching here online today and you're like, man, I don't understand all this, but all I know is that I need God. You know, the Bible says that the word became flesh. That's Jesus. Did you know that without Jesus, if you were to die that you would pay for sin, the Bible talks about sin, that you would live in everlasting punishment forever. But Jesus loves you so much that he gave himself on the cross and he was nailed on that cross and he was bleeding on that cross so that he could take the full punishment of your sin so that you would never have to face 
an eternity without God. And he loves you so much that he wants you to live with him for eternity. Can you, can you pray this prayer? If you're wanting to accept Jesus and you really desire Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life, if you were to die, God forbid, in five minutes, the question is, where would you be? Well, God wants you to be assured that you would be with him forever and that he took your sin debt on the cross. Can you just pray this prayer? Can we bow our heads here tonight? The Bible says that your salvation has to do with your heart and your mouth because the Bible says if we confess the Lord Jesus with our mouth and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so can we say this tonight, all of us? Say, Lord Jesus, I have sinned against you and I need you. Can you save me? Save me right now, I need you. I believe in my heart that you died on the cross for my sins and you rose from the dead and you live forevermore. I ask you to come into my life, save me in your name, amen. If you've prayed that prayer, you've become born again, you have become a new creation in Jesus Christ. Welcome to the family of God. Aren't we thankful for that, Victory Church? It's so awesome. Father, I pray for this church in Jesus' name. Make us hungry like never before for your word. I know we went quick. I know it was a fast train ride. I know there was a lot of truth. But Lord, I pray even right now for breakthroughs, for freedom, for healing, restoration, even tonight in the name of Jesus. I pray that you will break chains, that you tear down strongholds according to your word, according to your truth. Lord, we take the Makaira, we take the sword of the spirit, and we thank you, God, that we could use it, we could, we could read it, that we could receive it, and that we could go against the enemy in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening to the Victory Church Podcast. If this message inspired you, feel free to share it with your friends, family, and social media. And make sure to subscribe to hear future messages from Victory Church. If you'd like to support the mission of Victory, please visit getvictory.net slash give. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day.